Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. This episode of Michigan Minds is part of a special series from University of Michigan Public Engagement and Impact in collaboration with the Office of the Vice President for Research to discuss firearm injury prevention. I am happy to be joined today by U of M faculty member, Dr. Mark Zimmerman. Dr. Zimmerman, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners and share a bit about your role at U of M? Thank you for this opportunity. My name is Mark Zimmerman. I am the Marshall H. Becker Collegiate Professor in the School of Public Health. I've been at the university since 1989, and I've been in the Department of Health Behavior and Health Education all that time. And most of that time also, I have appointments in uh, the Department of Psychology and the combined program in Education and Psychology. And in what areas does your research focus? Well, really, I'm mostly focused on positive youth development, and I really initially started with school dropout and drug use, and that quickly led into looking at uh, other kinds of questions, that most especially violence prevention, because that kind of started popping up as, I, as we did our work. The other thing about positive development for me is I, I study resiliency, uh, which is basically how kids overcome risks they face in their lives, uh, whether that's poverty or domestic violence or community violence or friends who might lead them down a, a slippery slope. And I've also been guided by empowerment theory. And so really the, the overall theme of my work has been focusing on what's right in people's lives um, and help build that up versus an approach that is uh, risk-oriented and trying to fix what's wrong in people's lives. Uh, and it tends to help me think also ecologically, where I start thinking beyond the individual. And it also helps me think about um, how especially children, but people in general, can be uh, the source of the solution rather than the focus of the problem. So can you explain the Michigan Youth Violence Prevention Center? Basically, the Michigan Violence Prevention Center is sort of organized to conduct scientifically sound uh, science to reduce and prevent violence and its sequelae, uh, especially among youth, not, not socially, uh, specifically among youth, because one of the things we find is when adults are doing this kind of behavior, role models, uh, that kind of behavior for youth. So it's all sort of tied together. That goes back to the, the idea of ecological thinking about interdependence and connection between all sorts of behaviors, all sorts of influences uh, in kids' lives. Um, and then some of the projects that we've worked on are uh, one that we've sort of developed is this idea of busy streets. We, we're focusing on uh, greening. Uh, we work a lot in Flint, not solely, but mostly in Flint. It's one of the highest vacancy rates in the country, which means there's lots of empty lots where there are uh, either uh, it becomes a dumping site or it is just becomes overgrown. Um, or there's buildings uh, and houses that are abandoned for one reason or another. So basically we're focused on vacant lot reuse. That's an example of looking beyond the individual and what can we do to change environments. And we have this idea of busy streets and busy streets is a counterpart to broken windows theory. And while some people argue, well, that's not really what the authors originally meant about broken windows theory, it has certainly come to mean the idea that 
one broken window sends a message in the community that maybe people aren't watching or people don't care, which leads to another broken window and another one. And before you know, it's the slippery slope of um, neighborhood disorganization and um, neglect and then crime and violence. And so we said, well, what happens if you build it? What, what, what happens if you go the opposite direction and start cleaning it up and making it look better and getting communities engaged in that process? Does that improve the neighborhood? Uh, and it's that kind of work that we've been doing that has been really basically, we're finding lots of support for it. We're finding it when you do community improvement, do greening, try to create a busy street with community engagement, we're finding there's less crime, there's less firearm violence. We're finding even results like uh, there's less uh, child protective service referrals, there's less intimate partner violence. So you change the environment, people feel cared for, people see each other as neighbors. Um, it becomes a kind of place where it's more pleasant to live. And, and if you just think about uh, the different places in America where, you know, when you say a nice neighborhood and not a nice neighborhood, it often has to do with um, the deterioration of the buildings and the properties around it. Some other projects are related, we're building from there. Uh, we're looking at public art and how public art may be related to less firearm violence. Uh, we're working with the Stamps School of Art and Design, uh, looking at public art. We're also doing some analysis up in Flint around an initiative to creating all of these murals. So we're gonna, we're gonna look around the murals and see if there was less violence after the murals were in place uh, versus before. And then we'll look at areas that are somewhat comparable. Um, all of our research typically has uh, either quasi-experimental or experimental designs where we're comparing to uh, places that haven't had the, this work done no greening. We did a, uh, as part of the Youth Violence Prevention Center, we did a, a learning community with folks in uh, Youngstown, Ohio, where we also work, and Camden, New Jersey. We brought uh, people from those cities together with colleagues in Flint, Michigan, and they talked about some of the lessons learned from the work they were doing around the screening, uh, and they identified dumping as a significant issue in all of their communities. That's something that happens when uh, neighborhoods are neglected, and uh, and we're not talking about uh, garbage and uh, old appliances, although that is part of it. We're also talking about major construction waste that's dumped in these slots, and then they become uh, again sending the the negative messages of no one's watching, so you can get away with things, uh, but also creates some um, a public health hazard. Uh, it might be a place for uh, vermin to grow and for um, you know, disease to occur where people might get injured. So we're looking at that, um, interventions that each one of those cities are doing to address the dumping prevention. And then some of our work has grown into uh, school violence prevention. Um, the Sandy Hook Promise Foundation's reached out to us. We've done projects now with them in both Miami and Los Angeles and the school systems there. So we're trying to work uh, on basically getting an evidence base for different activities that will help prevent violence uh, in general and youth violence in particular. So 
all of those projects that you you just shared are so involved in the community and are you know really based in looking at what can be done to enhance uh, safety, but also you know the the greenery and all of these different from busy streets to some of the other work that you were talking about. How important is community engagement? in this work that you're doing and how are communities involved and what is some of the feedback that you hear from them? Well, that's really a great question. We're actually finding, we, we just did an analysis um, that we are gonna be submitting for publication actually that um, found that any kind of greening is better than nothing. So, and by any kind of greening, it's really just like mowing up an empty lot and you know, keeping the sight lines open so people can't dump on them very, as well. Uh, we're finding that in those neighborhoods compared to places where that's not happening, controlling for all of the, you know, variables you would think, you know, it's a very similar kind of neighborhood in terms of you know, the amount of vacancy and the socioeconomic status of the neighborhood based on census data. Uh, even prior crime, it's pretty similar in that regard. And in one place it goes down and the other place it doesn't. But what we're finding that an added advantage to doing that greening is when the community is involved. And by that, I mean the, the mowing or the activities, the neighbors are the ones who are doing the activities and it's not coming from outside. So that's really encouraging. So that's one way of, of community engagement. And community engagement might be, they work together to, to mow the lot or to clean up the lot or to plant a garden or to create a pocket park. So there's all sorts of different ways that a neighborhood neighborhoods um, can deal with those issues. And it's their idea for what to do with it. And then they do it together. And some of our qualitative research, we've asked people involved in this kind of work, we've asked them, what do you, what do you think? I mean, what, how does this make you feel? And they, they said, I feel like people are paying attention. I feel more neighborly. All the things that we talked about about busy streets, it's happening. It's a place where people are feeling better about where they live. They feel like the institutions in their community are paying attention to them that they haven't done before. And it's, it, it's very positive kind of outcomes for them and, and for each other. And then in terms of kids, uh, kids can be involved in that process as well. It could be a summer job. We have a youth violence prevention program called um, uh, yes, Youth Empowerment Solutions, which I didn't even talk about before. And Youth Empowerment Solutions is basically an after-school or a summer program uh, to basically get kids involved in community change, community improvement. They might do murals. They might make a garden. They might create a celebration in a, in a, a neighborhood as a way to both develop their confidence, uh, develop their sense of identity, and uh, to actually make change that they could point to and say, I helped do that. As again, one example, they, we've been working with YES about almost 20 years now, about 18 years, and they created a mural in one of the first years that we were implementing this up in Flint, and uh, it has never been graffitied, and it's still there, and it's still a, a, play, a sort of a place for people to go to see, and it tells the story of YES, of adults working with kids and the importance of you know racism sinking to the bottom of a river or a waterway, which is what it's about, and uh, the importance of connecting adults and kids is that's kind of the message of the mural. 
And uh, we've done trainings. We, we actually just did a training a couple of weeks ago um, with colleagues in Texas for the first time uh, virtually, but we've also visited um, over the years places in California and Louisiana, and Georgia, other places in Texas, Wisconsin, Massachusetts. So it's, it's gotten some legs. People see what it's useful. And, you know, we have a website for yes and all that. So, and, and we've expanded it to look at other kinds of outcomes and working with colleagues. That's another example of kids, you know, being engaged in the process of, of community improvement, community, community change. It's about ownership. It's about feeling good about yourself. And it's about making the place where you work together with people to make it a better place for everybody. So many incredible efforts. So thank you for elaborating on those. And in addition to all of that, you're also on the steering committee for the U of M Firearm Injury Prevention Research Initiative. Can you share a little bit about that process and the objectives? The mission of the committee was to develop a proposal to uh, basically engage the breadth and depth of expertise here at the University of Michigan uh, with input from non-academic stakeholders uh, to generate knowledge and advanced solution to decrease firearm injury and death in the United States. It includes representatives from 12 University of Michigan schools or colleges. Um, we were involved in this report. The idea of the report was to provide a structure and a process to implement the mission I just mentioned and to make Michigan, I don't want to sound trite or corny, but to make Michigan the leaders and the best for uh, firearm injury uh, prevention. And when I say injury prevention, I mean injury and death. Um, and injury doesn't mean just being shot with the bullet, um, but it could be injury to the families. And the, you know, the, there's all sorts of uh, sequelae to uh, a firearm being, um, you know, for discharging um, a bullet from a firearm. We're finding all sorts of negative effects of um, exposure to violence, uh, sometimes gunshots, but to violence more generally. And of course, gunshots and guns are sort of the culmination of violent activities. I mean, it's sort of like the ultimate violent activity, but there's lots of other violent behaviors that are, may occur before that uh, final event. Uh, but we're finding that exposure to violent, violence has all sorts of negative health consequences later in life. The idea is that we're gonna bring together the research and training infrastructure of the University of Michigan, bring to bear on this specific issue of gun violence uh, in the United States, which we know is epidemic proportions, both in terms of suicide and homicide. Uh, it's a little known fact, but 60% of uh, gun deaths are actually from uh, suicide. And not necessarily homicide. So, and it's an equally difficult problem in rural as well as urban areas. So, we're really committed to not only bringing science to the process, but also helping create a pipeline of researchers to really advance the work. What is the significance of having a designated area at the University of Michigan like this to focus on firearm injury prevention research? First of all, one of the reasons why it's so important, I think, for Michigan is, like I said, for the infrastructure. You know, who better than us? I mean, that's number one. Um, number two, it's an epidemic in a, in a country, and we need to pay attention to it. We need attention. You know, we need to um, 
advance this work because it is at epidemic proportions. I mean, we mostly hear about the uh, multiple shootings, but there are eight children a day under 18 years old who die from a firearm. So we, we need to do better than we're doing. And for many, many years, basically the federal government has not funded uh, research and has not spent enough attention to it. Uh, and it's a spinning a little bit out of control here. So I, I think the timing is, is important because of where we are with the epidemic, because uh, I think it's starting to open up in terms of opportunities. For the last 30 years, not having this as a research topic and almost being a taboo topic because there was no funding. So you really weren't gonna be able to advance one's career. So they would choose different avenues of research that it's really imperative that we sort of kickstart that process again. Um, and so I think Michigan is just well positioned to do that because of our stature as an academic institution, uh, because of the attractiveness of coming to the Michigan, because of all the infrastructure I mentioned earlier. So you've shared so much information so far today, Dr. Zimmerman. Can you boil this down into a few takeaways about your research that you want all of our listeners to have from this conversation? I think one of the takeaways of our, of our work is focusing on building community strengths. Um, don't blame the victims um, and think ecologically. Uh, and that is building on the, the, the larger context of where people behave, where people learn, where people, and in particular kids, but also adults, uh, and trying to create safer places and, and contexts and structures for more positive development and growth and uh, living to occur, rather than focusing on people and saying, you just need to be different. Um, it helps us think beyond, and I'm, one of the takeaways is think beyond the individual to make change. Uh, and to prevent violence and to prevent gun violence in particular. The other one is to think about people as being part of the solution rather than the focus of the problem. That's related to the idea of victim blaming, but especially with kids, uh, giving them success experiences, giving them something for them to think and be proud of that they could point to, um, helping them develop skills that can take them into adulthood and think about their communities and outside of themselves are all positive things for making the world we people to live in uh, and for kids to create the future for themselves. Um, the last thing that you asked about, another vital takeaway, it's related to thinking about youth and people as being part of the solution is creating opportunities for involvement. Whether they help us identify what to do uh, or they are uh, participants in the process, one or the other, but uh, giving voice to the people in those communities that we're working in, that it's not always us as the experts coming in and saying, what can we do? Uh, it should be us experts coming in and saying, how can we help? And one of the things that we've done in our work is we've often worked with communities that are already doing some of this work and we bring our skills of evaluation and research and say, how can we see whether or not your work is making a difference and help you create an evidence base for the work that you're doing so that you can advance your work better. And we also help them uh, with some of our research about how they can do their work more efficiently or what lessons you know, we learned when we collect data systematically, we can help feed that back to the organizations to tell them 
what their participants are saying about the program. What, what are good things? What are bad things? What could they change? And how can they be potentially more efficient? So our research not only may help them function more effectively with the, with, in their programs that they desire, but also give them the evidence base they need to kind of keep their programs going. So it's a science empirically based approach to community engagement, really. And then my final question, Dr. Zimmerman, is what do you want to emphasize as a final takeaway about the U of M Institute for Firearm Research? So I just wanted to say three of those things, and there's, it's a similar idea. One is the, the importance of multidisciplinary science for both conducting research and for training uh, the future researchers in this area. Um, uh, the ecological approach, which is something I've said before, thinking about uh, epidemiological research, social behavioral science research, how families and peers might play out uh, in that approach, uh, you know, in firearm uh, violence prevention, uh, mental health at the individual level, policy, thinking about laws and implementation, clinical, thinking about uh, intake for risk assessment and safety assessments in homes. Policy and clinical could be looking at economics and the economics of the, of the costs of this kind of work. So, uh, so it's an ecological approach, thinking of all the multiple levels. And then the last sort of takeaway about the, um, the Institute for Firearm Research is, uh, and vitally the pipeline of the next generation of researchers in ensuring that they're diverse, uh, both in terms of ethnicity, gender, but also methodology. I think we want people kind of paying attention to this from a, you know, a, a more, in more of a quantitative as well as a qualitative approach and in, uh, in the multidisciplinary approach that I mentioned before. So we wanna really expand the pipeline. So you know, I know that we often, and I say we, those of us who have worked uh, in, in, in the, in, around firearms and violence, we often use the example of cars uh, cars, you know, were often death traps and when they first, you know, in the 50s and it was the number one cause of death and so forth and so on. And we really did a moonshot. We said, we have to make these cars safer. We have to make driving safer. So we, we, did we had engineering solutions. We have policy to solutions about when, you know, about graduated driver's license. We have solutions around how to help parents teach kids how to drive. So we did it at all different levels. And it's that kind of moonshot that we need to do to, to address uh, firearm violence in America. And I, I think we can do it. I, I think there's some really low hanging fruit that we can do to really staunch the epidemic. And then I think there's little harder lifts that we can do to you know, really start moving the needle. And I also wanna just say that we're gonna, we're gonna do that without taking away people's guns and without kind of addressing the, you know, the debates about whether you should own a gun or shouldn't own a gun and what you should or shouldn't do. This isn't about that. It doesn't any more than it was about taking away people's cars. So that's what we want to do is use science to improve life. Thank you, Dr. Zimmerman, for joining Michigan Minds for this special series. Listeners can learn more information at firearminjury.umich.edu. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast. 
a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.